And so our, our lesson this month on Wednesdays is talking about giving, growing through giving. And so we're going to kind of continue that. I'm, I don't know necessarily that I'm going to kind of speak in the same vein, I guess you could say, as Brother Parker, but I just, I tend to just kind of feel after God and, and say, what do you want me to say on this subject? And so I kind of let him kind of lead and guide and, and just, um, and you know, I'm not him and he's not me and, and we're going to have a little bit different view on things, I guess you could say. God's not going to cause me to say the exact same words he says and have the exact same thoughts he does. He's going to operate and function through my, my understanding, my mind, my experiences, my life. And, uh, and that's good. You know, and people all the time get, you know, they get a diagnosis from the doctor and first thing they want to do is go get a second opinion. So, amen. There's more than one way to look at things sometimes. Right? You look at those 12 guys that followed Jesus around. They all had different perspectives of what Jesus was trying to teach them. Right? Some of them were concerned about who was going to be sitting next to him in the kingdom. Some of them were concerned about other stuff. But he used that. He used all their different varying backgrounds to, to his advantage and for the kingdom. And that's what he's doing with us. He's taking all this mishmash of people and not making us all a bunch of little automatons and robots all thinking and saying the same thing. We will follow Jesus. We will follow Jesus. He's not doing that. He lets us be who we are. That's who he made us to be. Right? I mean, there were some things that changed when I got the Holy Ghost. Right? And then a lot some stuff is still ongoing. But for the most part, I remained who I am. He didn't take my personality away. Right? He's probably chopped off a few little things along the way there, but for the most part, they say that by the time you're five years old, your personality has pretty much been determined. It's what psychologists and people say, and it's fairly, fairly accurate for the most part. You know, how, what you've received up to about five years old, because they say that's like for children to learn another language. That's about when the window closes, when it becomes harder and harder to learn a second language. So a lot of parents that have children, that are parents that are bilingual, make sure their kids know the other language before they reach the age of five. Because they're, they're just able to receive that for some reason. I don't know. But we're going to talk about growing through giving tonight. And we're going to go right into this, uh, the main verse that we're, uh, that we're being, that are using on this lesson uh, is in the, found in the book of Luke. Chapter 6, verse 38. Praise God. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Praise God. You got that back there? There's a slide for it, I think. Praise God. Give. Good start, right? And it shall be given unto you. 
good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet or that you, whatever measure you give out, it's going to be measured back to you again. Now, when you read this scripture, what do you think about? Anybody? Money, right? That's what we that's what we automatically think this scripture is talking about is money. Why is that? Is it could it be because we're so conditioned as church people that when you hear the word give in the Bible it's talking about money? Because <clears throat> churches take up offerings and right? I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying <clears throat> we're almost automatically conditioned to think that that means money. And it's not saying that it doesn't. But that's what I'm, that's kind of where I felt like the Lord wanted me to go tonight. There's more to this than just dollars and cents. Because you know what? God doesn't need your money. As a matter of fact, before it was your money, it was God's money. He let you have it to be a steward of it. He let you go to work for eight hours to get it, but he let you have that to see how you would be a steward of that. So he's not necessarily concerned about our money. But Now, if you look in the New Testament... That subject is talked about a lot. Like those people that sold that property in the New Testament church, they were they were selling their goods and they were giving and they were supporting one another, you know, giving supporting as everyone had need, right? And then some of them were selling their property and giving everything. That's what I call a hundred percent tithing. Right? And there's even a story that about somebody that made a commitment, they made a vow that they were going to do that, but when they sold their property, they said, ooh, man, we made a little more off that than we thought we did. We would. Man, just between you and me, honey, we'll just hold a little bit back for our own little nest egg, okay? Agreed? You know, fist bump, and then they go do it. And what happened? They both of them were ended up dead. Because God don't play. He knows. If you make a vow, don't, don't go back on your vow. Even if it's just in here. I'm sorry. But he knows what you're thinking. I didn't write that in the New Testament. He did. Jesus knew their thoughts. And that's how he, that's how he talks to us, right? When we have a, a faith promise service and somebody gets up here and, and talks about faith promise, what do they, they say? What is, feel, you listen to God and listen to what he's telling you how much to give for faith promise, right? So it's all in here. It's all in our mind. It's all, what is God telling us internally? He's not speaking it out loud so everybody around us can hear it. He's just telling you individually, this is what I this is what I want you to trust me to do, right? 
So he is, is interested in money. And this principle, has, you could apply this to your finances. Right? How many, I don't know about you, but I have just found out through doing it that tithing and giving back into the kingdom works. God honors that. He really does. And we have, my wife and I have experienced when he does it, when we don't happened early on in our walk. So we, you know, through through doing it, not doing it, we found out doing it works. So I don't want to, as we go forward with this, I don't want to dispel in your mind the idea that it's not about money at all. Saying that, but it's a lot, it's about a lot more than money. Okay. So let's go back. This um, go back to Luke chapter six and verse maybe starting in verse twenty seven. Luke six twenty seven. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away the cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. So if somebody takes your coat, you're supposed to just let them? That's what this, is that what this says? Not only let them take your coat, but offer them something else in addition to that. If they felt like they needed it bad enough, we're talking about giving, right? And as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Don't ever think, oh, well, I'll never be in that situation. I mean, I was raised and I wasn't raised wealthy by any means, and we weren't poor either. But at about age 18, 19, somewhere in there, my brother and I ended up basically on the street. Like, didn't have a, a house, a place to live. Because we didn't want to live by my dad's rules, so he said, there's the door. Come back when you want to live by my rules. Of course, we were stubborn and said, fine, we're not coming back. We thought we had it all together, and we found out we didn't. And so there for about nine months of my life, I literally lived on the street. And I depended on selling plasma at the plasma center twice a week for money. And hanging out with friends and people feeding me. And after about nine months of that, I got tired of it. I don't want to live like this anymore. So I got my act together. 
And even then, the Lord was blessing me. Even then, He was opening doors for opportunities for me to stay places that I could get a job and would be walking distance from where I was staying. And all that kind of stuff was going on. So don't ever think, as this scripture said, as you would have men should do to you, do to them also. Think about, you might be in that situation one day when you see that homeless guy, when you see that person in that situation that you've never been in, you never think you're going to get in that situation. Don't ever, don't ever think that. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to sinners, to receive as much again. Now, I'll loan you the money, but you're going to pay interest. Right? There's a name for that. It's called loan shark. Right? But, I say but, love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again. Just give it away. Just give it away. Don't worry about if you're going to get... Trust me when I tell you, if you're doing it with the right spirit and the right attitude and the right motive, God is watching. He's going to give you... He might not give it back to you in dollars and cents, but He's going to give it back to you somehow. In your health or something, God is watching. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. So is that, is that saying we got to be kind to the unthankful and the evil? You're going to be like Jesus. What did he do? What did he, what did he say when he was hanging on that cross? And he looked down at those people that were scoffing and mocking and, and all that stuff. What did he say? Forgive them. Who was them? Who was them? Everybody raise your hand. That was me. That was you. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right? Be therefore merciful for your father as your Father also is merciful. I think I was talking about that recently, about He's not going to show mercy on them who won't show any mercy. Right? It's kind of like that guy that that was forgiven of his debt, of like $10 million or whatever, some humongous amount, and then he went out and found his buddy who owed him 10 bucks, and he wanted to just run him down the rail and put him in jail and everything else, and the guy that forgave him of the large amount found out, and he went and got him. He smacked, slapped him back into prison, and said, "That's how you're going to be. That's how you're going to say thank you." I know I'm paraphrasing, but man, we've been forgiven a lot. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive. And you shall be forgiven. That scripture, I still think that that's backwards. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
I think it should say, as we forgive our debtors, forgive us our debts. Because we got to forgive first. We want forgiveness first before we'll forgive. Sometimes. And then after that, it says there's a colon, which after the colon explains what's before the colon. He goes right into give and it shall be given unto you. So it's not just talking about money. In this whole, and we just read from 27 to 38, it didn't talk about money once, did it? It might have implied something that costs maybe money, but it didn't even mention money. So this, you know, Brother Parker in the last couple of lessons was talking about giving of yourself, given to the Lord in worship, and all these, there's so much more to this word give in this scripture than money. You know, somebody gave of themselves and sacrificed for there to even be a building here where we're sitting tonight. When nobody else wanted to come to lacrosse, however many, 40 years ago or whatever, somebody said, I'll go. I'll go. God told them to go. They said, all right, I'm packing up, Mama. I don't understand why we're going, but let's go. God's telling us to go there. We're going to go. Give of themselves, right? People like that that go to these cities and do that kind of stuff even today, they don't go with a lot of money. Most of them have to work a secular job. And they just they build a church. Some of them, we have some friends up in, in the state of Wisconsin somewhere that are home missionaries, and they're having church in the garage that's detached from their house. And they've set up a little room in there to have church in. And they're doing the best they can until God blesses them with something better. But they're giving of themselves. They're pouring their finances and they're pouring their life and everything that they do into that, into helping to see people come to Jesus. And some, most of the time in their case, if money has nothing, they're, you know, they're giving of themselves. And so that's what the Lord's wanting us to understand is that just like in John 3.16, it says, what? Somebody quote that. John 3.16, for that he gave. He didn't give money. He gave the most precious thing to him, his only begotten, the one of a kind. Jesus was one of a kind, wasn't he? And there's never been another man like him because he was created for the distinct and specific purpose of saving us. And so he gave his only begotten son, God, who created all things, who spoke this world into existence as a part of his plan, gave away his most prized and precious possession. Would we do that? What's your most prized and precious possession? If God asked you to give it away, would you? First John 3:16 and 17 says, "Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us." God laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. We we just we can just read over that and 
and just kind of skip on to something else, right? What does that mean? That we ought also to give our lives for our brethren. What does that mean? There's not really, you can't really nail that to the wall and say, here's what it means. Because that might mean something different to Brother Richard than it does to you. Giving your life for your brethren. What does that mean? For some people, that's going to the mission field and giving up the, uh, the opportunity and the possibility of ever owning a home or living the American dream. Because they hear the voice of God telling them, lay all that aside and go do what I'm asking you to go do, and I'll take care of the rest. Because he will take care of us, won't he? He knows what we have need of, even before we ask. And I just believe to the point where we don't even have to ask for ourselves. Right? When we pray, we shouldn't even be thinking about ourselves. He knows what you have need of. He's already taken care of you. So our prayers need to be something more kingdom-minded, right? So you have to ask yourself... Is that, are the things that I'm praying about making a difference in the world? If, would they make a difference in the world or am I just kind of keeping it, internalizing it and just, you know, help me get through my struggles every day, God? All about me. Because he laid down his life, we ought to also lay down our lives for our brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, this world's provision, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? When you when you have all the blessings of God, and you're not you're you'd rather keep that for yourself, right? Praise God. So we read that portion of Luke chapter 6 for the context of what what the Lord was really saying. And this world didn't deserve Jesus Christ and what he did. We don't deserve him today. God gave out of love that was unconditional. Are we willing to, to exercise that same kind of unconditional love in our giving to include our finances? You know, the woman that gave the two mites, she gave all that she had. She gave her last two pennies in the world. She emptied her bank account for the kingdom. If God asked you to empty your bank account, we're going to go back on the money for a minute, for the kingdom, would you do it? Or would you say, (laughs) but God... That's my retirement. You want me to give up my retirement? But God, that's, I was saving that for, for my first house. We had a missionary to Singapore that was doing something just like that. He was saving money up and for a missionary to be able to save money for a major purchase is something. 
because most of them can't do that. But this guy had saved up in somewhere in the neighborhood of about $10,000. And he had plans for this. And so he's out just before they leave to come back to the States. He's out on this. He'd go out to this rocky place by the water and he just that was his prayer place and he'd go out there and he was praying and God told him to give that money to something else (laughs) he said in the book that he wrote his first response was like excuse me (laughs) like don't you know what that's for God like he didn't know long story short he went back home and said to his wife, we, we need to pray about something. Well, she had already prayed about it. God had already spoke to her about it, and so they did it. And God gave back to them more than they could have imagined just because they they listened to God and just did what he said, didn't understand it, didn't like it, didn't make sense. Why would you let me save it up, God, and then take it away from me? Well, it's his anyway, right? But God showed them through that that He, I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to take care of you and then some. Because they, what they got back was like ten times that amount. And so, it's all about giving. When Paul said, I die daily, what was he talking about? He was talking about dying to himself. Because that's really what happened on on that road to Damascus. Jesus said, you're not in charge anymore, Paul. I am. And this is me paraphrasing. And the quicker you figure that out and just submit to that, because what did he send Ananias to tell him? That of what things he must suffer for the sake of the kingdom. And he, and he was going to use him. And so Paul, in order to be used of God, had to just totally sacrifice self and give up being in charge. We don't like that, do we? <laughs> we like being in charge. Isn't that what this world preaches? You're in charge of your own destiny. You're in charge of your own life. You make your own decisions. Nobody can tell you what to do. Right? Not in God's economy. Not if you're serving God. You don't get to have a say. The only thing you get to say is, yes, Lord. Kind of like, yes, dear. <laughs> right, uh, and all the gentlemen in the room just laugh because they know it's true. I know it's true. <laughs> That's right. Men always get the last word in a relationship. Yes, dear. It's not about being right. It's about being happy, isn't it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Men that are much older and much wiser than me have made profound statements like that and I listen to them when I look at their life and they've been married 50 years they must be doing something right if they've been married 50 years I got to take their advice and say you know there's something to that and the same thing it's a it's the same thing with God 
You can buck up against God if you want to. All he's just, all he's asking us is to give of ourselves. Just give, give your life to me. It's not yours anyway. Is it? You, it can be. He'll let you be in charge of your own life, but then you're in charge. And if he wants to do this over here, but you want to run over here and do this, you're just going to miss out on that over there. Because you want to be in charge. I don't want to give my life up for the kingdom. I want to be in charge. I want to be in control. Paul wasn't in control of his life. That's why he said, I die daily. And he went through a process every day. Right? Because he was still a man. He was still flesh. Just like we are. Just because we have the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Praise God. When we can come to the place where it ceases to be our way, about our way, and more about his way, all about his way, for without me, you you can do nothing, right? So we can't really do anything. We can't really succeed. We can't really go anywhere in life truly without him anyway. We can run after all kinds of stuff, and, and we do, after careers and college degrees and all kinds of Stuff and 64 Impalas and all kinds of stuff. I just got one for my birthday. <laughs> so, <laughs> we think we got to have all this stuff and it's stuff. It's, it's going to rust. <laughs> it's going to break down. I'm, until he tells me to get rid of it, I'm keeping it, but <laughs> I believe he gave it to me. He, he blessed me with it. But I gotta keep it in perspective. It's like, I'll bless you with this, but how are you gonna handle it? Right? Praise God. So I've been reading this book on, it's called The Blessed Life. One of our preachers at camp was talking about it, so I sounded interesting to me, so I went out and got it. And it says here that, Let's see. God does not supply seed just to a keeper. According to what verse was it? Second Corinthians nine, ten to eleven. He to, he provides seed to a sower. Somebody that's giving it away. You know, you can be a farmer and you can have a great big barn and you can buy all the seed for your crop. But if you leave that seed sitting in the barn and you don't throw it out there and give it away to the ground so that it can produce something, it'll sit in that barn and rot. And then what good is it? I got my seed over here. Right? Seeds weren't designed to be kept in a barn, were they? If you bought seeds as a farmer, there's one reason you have seeds. To give them away. To throw them out in the field and see what happens. Give it to God. Let, let, it, let God determine if it's going to rain on it, if it's going to sunshine on it. That's what the farmers do. They wait and see what God will do. 
right? He supply he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the eater, right? God is always mindful of our material needs, so we don't have to be. Powerful right there. He wants us to take some of the seeds he's given us and eat it, but the rest he wants us to sow. He even adds a promise about that seed. God will supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your So if you grow, if you throw two or three kernels of corn out there, how many ears of corn are going to come up out of that plant that, that comes up as a result of that? Like 400 times those three little, two or three little kernels. So we got to, it, it seems like a lot when you're giving it away, but wow, when you look at the, the fruit of it, and this applies to finances too. It really does. It applies to everything, every aspect of our life. You know, there's a song that we sing, I give myself away so you can use me. Right? So if we don't give ourselves away, does that mean he can't use us? Just, just a thought. So what does it mean to give yourself away? It includes your finances, right? They're not yours. Like I was saying about them selling all in the New Testament, right there in the book of Acts, they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all as everyone had need. What does that mean? If I had stuff to sell and you didn't, and I saw that you had need, I went out and sold my stuff. And I took some of my money from my stuff, my proceeds, and I went and gave it to you to make sure that you didn't have need. That's how they took care of one another. Is that how we're supposed to do it? That's what they did in the first church. They gave. They they were it was like starting a business. Everything they brought in went right back into the business, if you want to look at it that way. Everything they brought in, everything they were blessed with, they put it right back into the kingdom to see the kingdom go forth. And I tell you, since my wife and I have given of our, not only of our finances, but of ourselves, you know, and, and sacrificed in ways, and I'm not tooting our horn or anything, but as we've done that, I can tell you, I can look back and tell you that there's there's not been a time, I can't say there hasn't been a time where we haven't struggled, but I can honestly tell you that there's never been a time that we've been really in want or need for anything. And we have a hard time buying Christmas for each other because we just, I don't need anything. God's taking care of it. He He has. You know, I... <laughs> I'm 60 years old and I'm not taking anything but voluntary vitamins that I take on my own. Not on any medication. My health is good. I mean, what more could I ask for? And it's God's business if he suddenly wants to. It's it's his business. I don't know why people get cancer and die that serve God. I don't know. And, And I'm. You know, people that are given of themselves and their life and everything. And why does that happen to people? I don't know. God knows. That's his business. Maybe they were doing such a great job that he said, I'm going to give them an opportunity to get out of here. Give them some rest. Right? 
Hallelujah. We're trying to get to that rest, aren't we? Good measure, that scripture said, give and it shall be given unto you, right? Give. Give whatever it is he's asking you to give. Ask God, what do you want me to give? I have a pastor friend in Dallas that he's writing a book about giving, and he has he purposed many years ago, and God prompted him to do this. He gives something away every single day. Something. It might be a $100 bill, it, but he gives away something every day. He purposes, when he wakes up in the morning, I'm giving something away today. And that's just how he lives his life. And he is so blessed and so mightily blessed, and it's, we don't do it for that reason. Right? God knows our motive. He is not, he is not a, a, a bank account for us to just in, throw money at so we can get some money back. That's not how it works. But if your motive is right, if your attitude is right, God loves a cheerful giver, right? Somebody who does it cheerfully. They don't do it with a wrong motive and a wrong attitude, but they just give of themselves. If they don't have the money, they, they give something away. They give a car away. They, whatever it is, God, if God tells them to give it away, they give it. Right? Whatever it is. To give of yourself, to take Take time out of your busy schedule to go do something for somebody else. You know, Jesus, Jesus kind of rebuked, he talked, he told the story in Matthew 25 of the sheep and the goats. The ones that didn't take the time to feed and, and to clothe and to, and to do all those things. What were, what were they? They were the goats. And, what did he tell them? Because you didn't do it. Because you didn't give of yourself to the least of these, my brethren. Because it was more important to what you wanted and what you desired and, and yourself was more important. That's really what they, what was the problem. They were so focused on their self, they couldn't even see that somebody was in need. They, they couldn't even see clearly to give away to give somebody a drink of water or give somebody some clothes or whatever. So we, it's an attitude that we have about giving of ourselves, not just our money. But that scripture says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's talking about dry measure, right? So that when they, what they used to do when they would buy and sell grain and stuff, they would pour it into a container, and they would shake it. And you ladies that cook, and when you're, making, you, when you're doing that flour, you pour some in the thing, and then you cut it, and then you, you pack it down, and you add some more or brown sugar or whatever, right? You don't just take what's in there. You pack it down. And so that's what they would do. They would pack it down, and they would just shake it and pack it down and get as much in there as they could. Shall men give unto your bosom? What does that mean? We don't have a bosom, do we, men? But see, what that's referring to is back in those in those days. Even Ruth, when she went to 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 go to the field, to Boaz's field, her mother-in-law told her to take her 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 robe with her, and 
And the people in those days, in the Bible days, wore these big flowing robes, and they would put this big belt around it, and they would have this all this extra material right in this area right here between your arms. And so that's what that's what she did. She went and he poured grain into into this thing, and that's what they called it, their bosom. She kept she caught it in her in the robe in the folds of the robe until it was overflowing. And so that's how that's how people carried stuff. That was what you know we stick it in our pocket, right? They didn't have pockets, but that's what they had. They they would use those folds in their robe, and they called it the bosom. Here, just pour it in my bosom, and I carry it home like that. You know, and then they get home and dump it in something, right? Shall men give unto your bosom? Somebody's going to walk up and just start pouring it in your bosom. If your if your attitude and your motive is right about giving, whether it's money or whatever it is, you're not giving with the attitude of, man, I I know he's asking me to give this hundred dollars, but man, I hope he gives it back soon because I really need it. Like he doesn't know that when he asked you to give it. Sometimes God, I believe, is just waiting for us to just obey him and do what he said and not question it and not worry about it and not try to analyze it and understand it. Just do it. And there's just this blessing just on the other side of that act of faith just waiting for us if we'll just do it. Right? Write a check for your rent. Give it to this missionary. Would God tell you to do that? I don't know. I don't know. This guy right here, this pastor, came to a men's conference in Kentucky when I was there. And he had made a commitment to give something to somebody else for something else to the tune of like $1,000 or something. He did not have the money. He was on deputation. He didn't have it. But God told him to do, to make that commitment, so he made it. Okay, God, you figure it out. So we're we're at the Barren River State Park, having our men's conference in a room about this size, and the district superintendent is standing there, and he all of a sudden he takes off his sport coat, and he has these men come up and hold his sport coat out, and he said, "I want everybody in here to come up and give something." this missionary and they did (laughs) and they gave and they gave and they just they filled up that guy's coat full of cash and it was just about right exactly the amount actually it was a little over if I remember the story correctly a little bit over what he actually needed and he wasn't expecting that he was just passing through Kentucky and thought, well, they're just going to have me get up here and speak for a minute. But God put it on Brother Vitito's heart to do that. Because God was showing this man, see, I got this. I got this. Don't you worry about it. Right? He didn't bring us this far to just leave us out there to hang, right? If you believe that God is leading and guiding and directing and ordering your steps, if you believe that, 
then I don't know about you, but I want to be so sensitive to the voice of God that when he tells me to give of myself, whether it's money or something else, even if it means i got to give away something that he just gave me. Right? i got to trust him. I mean, if we... <laughs> If we, if we trusted Him to fill us with the Holy Ghost, we trusted Him to forgive us of our sins, we trust Him to give us life and health and breath in our body every day, don't we? We trust Him when we get in our car and turn the key. But then when He asks us to do something that's outside of our comfort zone, we don't want to, we don't want, we want to question Him and go, are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> We do. I'm not telling you anything that I haven't done myself. So we're just going to kind of bring this to a close. But I I don't know if this has helped anybody or not. I hope it has. But I think this is kind of in the spirit of what this lesson is about, about growing through giving. <laughs>